Hello and welcome back to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and this week we are talking about the much-anticipated first season of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. The season that covers the first book, The Lightning Thief. So, there's been a lot of discussion about the show, of course. Two of the YouTubers I follow, uh, the Mythology Guy and Dominic Noble, they were talking about it week to week. I decided not to do that because I wanted to just do a big singular episode. Uh, of course, if you've been with the channel slash the podcast uh, for a while now, you'll know that this past year, or just last year, I did a months-long journey to read all of the Percy Jackson-related uh, books. Uh, that, that was, for the most part, a fairly successful venture, and got me prepared for the series. Now, I haven't talked about the previous movies yet. I, I probably will, at some point, do an episode on the movies. I'll probably just pair them together and get it over with, like a Band-Aid thing. But th that, that can wait. We're here to talk about the latest adaptation, though. Uh, my, my history with this series is long. I was introduced to it around a time that I was having a bit of trouble, actually, kind of getting into reading, probably because I was... I was entering the, like, young adult age group, but I was kind of straddling on either side. The books I was reading were, like, kids' books, like uh, Rotten School and Diary of a Wimpy Kid and whatnot. And then, like, adult books, like Jurassic Park and technically Hobbit, though technically Hobbit was written as a kid's book. But we'll leave that distinction and whatnot out for now. But, you know, I, I read the uh, Jurassic Park books. I also read John Carter of Mars and shit like that. So I, I was having trouble, like, reading a lot because I was either reading books that were, like, punching way below my grade or I was reading books that were punching way above my grade and thus I took a lot longer to read them. So, yeah, it was around this time that the movies, the Percy Jackson movies, had also come out and... One of my family members was reading the Percy Jackson books and kind of kept pushing them on me, saying, hey, you, sh you should you should read these. And eventually I caved and I read the first couple chapters and I was like, yeah, it's not bad. So I decided eventually, it was like maybe a week or so later, to read it for myself. And I properly read the first book, enjoyed it, read the second book, enjoyed it more, and then so on and so forth. The rest is now history. I had fallen off of the series for a little bit until, like, I had read all of the Percy Jackson and Olympian series, and then the Heroes of Olympus series. Loved them all. But then when the Trials of Apollo started coming out, I just kind of dropped off. And then it was when I decided to do the challenge that I probably sat down, read through all of those books, and overall liked it. And I also started sensing a bit of a pattern and whatnot. That's, you know, if you... Look at the uh, Chalice of the Gods episode. I talk about it more there. But yeah, so this series, is it good? It's fine. A lot of people were obviously expecting since this series was, you know, had the full backing of the author and was, you know, it's expected to be extremely faithful. They made a lot of choices that, well, they made choices that were fine. You know, normal changes to make that people, you know, blew way out of proportion. 
but then they also made some changes that also just don't make a lot of sense. And then there's some editing issues that I'll get into in a bit. But overall, I think that the series is fine. It's got a lot of potential, especially as the series goes on, to see how the characters change. Especially with how the motivations in the series have been shifted a bit to potentially align more with how characters start reacting in future books, if that makes sense. Because I, I do sense that a lot of the changes made in this series was to help set it up better for what's to come. But to fully kind of understand these changes and whatnot, let us start diving in with the series. Now, this book, this series does try to be extremely faithful to the books as much as it feels that it can be. And you can definitely feel this by how the episodes are titled, because the episodes actually have titles. They are the same titles that come f directly from the book's chapters. So episode one is called I Accidentally Vaporized My Pre-Algebra Teacher. That's the same name as the very first chapter of the book, and it follows it pretty closely. We actually open up with the voiceover of Percy. Percy is pretty much just reciting like the first paragraph or so of the book before going into a bit more of an explanation of the actual background of his slightly tweaked character. He goes into ex explaining how he is different and whatnot, stating that he started seeing things and that's part of the reason that he's been kicked out of schools. That's is a big change from from the books where it was like these big accidents were happening and caused you know caused him to get kicked out instead you know he wandered onto the gym roof once because he saw a pegasus and then he was kicked out of school because of that you know it's it's a little bit odd but yeah so he's seeing these things and he's like drawing them and whatnot no one believes that he's seeing these things and it's causing issues. Now, something that's a little bit weird is that the Pegasus he sees might be Blackjack. And Blackjack might also already be at camp? Big question marks uh, there. But we'll figure that stuff out, I guess, potentially in future seasons. It's not explained at all because, you know, of course there's not really any interaction with the horse. But then it cuts to him at his new school after it explains that he has, he made a friend with uh, he made friends with Grover, and they've been close. Uh, Grover's been showing him, like, mythomagic and whatnot, which is something that wasn't really introduced until the, like, third book with Nico. But it's nice to actually have it introduced earlier. Then they go to the museum field trip, the thing that kicks off the first book proper. He's, he's having trouble spacing out. He has a flashback, accidentally calls out uh, Mom in the middle of the thing gets picked on by nancy then while they're eating lunch oh he gets his pen from chiron or at this time mr bruner at when he is handed the pen it's just like a normal kind of it's like a bic or like what i have in front of me like a, a pen and gear he is talking with grover grover gets a bit of cheese thrown in his face by nancy percy goes to confront her this was rough because in the book the way it happens is Percy kind of semi-blacks out next like he blinks and Nancy's in the water kind of thing 
But the way we see it is it's almost as if he like force pushes her into the water. And the the way it was supposed to go in the book is that like people were confused because it looked like the water kind of like grabbed her and put her into the thing. But in this it just looks like she gets force pushed into the fountain and it looks a bit silly. Almost immediately he then gets attacked by Mrs. Dodds, the well, pre-algebra teacher. Now she just starts transforming in the middle of the crowd and just like attacks Percy outside in the middle of the crowd. Percy kills her and then immediately, you know, everyone's like, oh, I mean, there is no Miss Dodds, etc. Then Percy's in the principal's office getting asked about why he attacked Nancy. He keeps saying that he didn't touch her. Then Grover decides to betray him and says that he did, in fact, push her. In fact, he also was stating how he wanted to get revenge on her by putting her in, like, a dumpster or something. Which Percy did say. But, yeah, Grover straight up betrays Percy, gets him kicked out of school, so now Percy has to go home. He goes home, meets up with his stepdad, who is not nearly as bad as he was in the in the book. Like, he's a dick, for sure, but he's nowhere near as bad as, like, the Gabe from the book, that's for sure. He keeps asking where his mom is. Gabe's like, I don't know. So, he goes to the window and his mom's there. She's just, she's at home. She's just out on the, the fire escape, just chilling in the rain. Uh, when he explains things to her, she's like, okay, yep, we need to go to, we're, we're going to Monotuk. So, away they go. Where she starts trying to explain to him what was going on. At least she starts starts to try. She straight up tells him, like, hey, the gods are real. Percy's like, what? My dad's Jesus? And she's like, no, not God. Gods. Your, your dad is one of the gods. And she could have told him, like, who at this point, but decided, I guess, just not to. And in the middle of her explanation, Grover shows up. He's like, hey, uh, yeah, sorry. I know... Because he was supposed to show up the next day, but is actually early. And he just keeps asking, like, hey, so why, why why, doesn't he know this? Didn't you tell him? She's like, I was getting to it. You're early. So they pack up, start leaving, heading to camp. They get chased down by the Minotaur. There's a car crash. Percy's mom gets squished but turned to dust. Percy fights the Minotaur, kills the Minotaur. And uh, that, that's pretty much the episode. He, he wakes up to, like being surrounded by campers and whatnot, but he's still, like, in the middle of a field. And, uh, yeah, that's the episode. Then it kind of shows some previews for the next episode, because this series was done week to week, so it has a recap at the beginning and a next time on, kind of, at the end. Except for it's, like, in flashes of just scenes that are coming up. I don't know what their intentions were with that. It was potentially to make it seem kind of like you're having a vision of what's to come i don't know it's a bit silly to be honest and it does kind of it doesn't really get me excited for the next episode as much as it just kind of is like hey here's some things that happen in the next episode and let's move on so yeah from the first episode you can already see that a lot of changes were made for some reason, they decided to start Grover and Percy off on a very bad foot at the beginning of the story. And it might have been for a reason so that he needed to 
a reason to kind of make it up to him later on? I don't know. But it's it's a bit silly. They also change like the reason why they go to Monotuk every year and whatnot. Because so Percy's mom in the book was always telling Percy stories of his father and was also always like the part of the like the was very upfront and honest about why they went to Monotuk. And it was because that's where her and his father had one very nice summer together. You know, that that's the reason why. For some reason, in this, he's told only just now. In fact, the stories that she's been telling him have only been just revolving around Greek mythology in general. She's the one that taught him all the Greek mythology stuff. She's the one that taught him some ancient Greek, though it doesn't really come up much in the story. But yeah, she's she's the one that's been prepping him specifically on the side of Greek mythology and stuff. And it was to try to get him prepared and understand the world he's about to enter in. But yeah, it, it's a bit silly. A bit silly. I mean, it gives his mom a bit more agency, but at the same time, they take away a lot of other stuff um, from her and Gabe in this thing. Because one of the big things about the book with Gabe is that he's, you know, he's in the middle of like a poker game with a bunch of people. And one of the things that Sally bribes him with is making seven-layer dip. But instead, this time she just bribes him by saying that she'll buy him a sandwich for him to eat alone while watching a game. Because, yeah, <laughs> make his life sad instead of um, him just being a complete asshole. So, yeah. But yeah, that, that's the first episode. We get like a tiny glimpse at Annabeth, but not really that's kind of technically in the the next time on thing then we go into episode two i become the supreme lord of the bathroom so episode two opens with percy waking up momentarily to see annabeth to see annabeth next to his bed where she states that he drools in his sleep before he promptly passes the fuck out again and that is the last we see of annabeth for most of this episode <laughs> for like half the episode uh, he wakes up to Grover next to his bed again, like when he wakes up again, asks some questions, looks at the Minotaur horn, and then is like, well, if my dad's a god, he's probably somewhere around here for reasons, so I'm going to go find him. So he just gets up out of bed and fucks off, leaves the Minotaur horn and everything behind. Then he, he goes through the standard, you know, slow introduction-ish to the world around him. He talks to Mr. D., where Mr. D teases him a bit. Then he goes off to the Hermes cabin and is then shown around by Luke. At, I guess it was dinner time, Luke tells him about offerings. About They've changed how offerings work a little bit in, in this. Instead of it being like, you know, you go up to the altar and you scrape it in. It's still technically that, at least at the camp. But the way it now works is that you give up the thing that you would miss the most in the hopes of, you know, actually getting the attention of the gods because it will smell even better to them if it's something that you will miss the most. So Percy takes that and kind of rolls with it in a slightly different way. He goes out into the woods at night with a coffee can 
lights a small fire in the coffee can and throws in a couple jelly beans. And instead of trying to talk to his dad, because I guess he, you know, he doesn't know to whom to address the, the talking to, he just kind of talks to his mom, uh, for some reason. And then after that, he gets on his way back to the cabin. He gets uh, accosted by Clarice and Co. Now, earlier in the episode, we were introduced to Clarice and Co. When they kind of bumped into Percy and then just kind of said some stuff and then left. So Clarice's motivations have been tweaked in this. Instead of just being a general bully, because in in the first book, that's just kind of what she was, was just a general bully. Her motivation is to kind of reveal Percy as a fraud. Because she does not believe that he killed the Minotaur. So she is just trying to get him to admit that he didn't. That's all she wants is that she doesn't believe that he killed the Minotaur. So she wants him to admit that he didn't kill the Minotaur. But of course he did. In fact, he was never claiming it in the first place. It, in fact, he also does have proof that he killed the Minotaur in the fact that he has the Minotaur horn. But, oh wait. Uh, no, that, that little plot thread just gone. He doesn't carry the Minotaur horn with him anymore. In fact, when he gets the quest in the next episode, he literally, like, it's up in the attic. Uh, the attic is supposed to be where, like, a lot of demigods just, like, leave their trophies or whatnot if they don't want it. Which is kind of sad because Percy's whole thing is that, you know, he he keeps the Minotaur horn because it it's a big thing to him. It was his first proper monster kill. Well, first intentional monster kill. Because in the book, yes, he killed um, Electo, or the Fury, and but that was kind of like an accident. He was just kind of madly swinging the sword in the book. And it's, in this especially, it was an accident. He literally just like accidentally activated the pen. And also the pen, for some reason, it only does this twice. It vibrates in the presence of monsters. It starts vibrating when... Uh, Electo's transforming in front of him in the middle of everyone and it also starts vibrating when the Minotaur is getting close and then it doesn't do it again it just it just doesn't <laughs> so it's a thing that they introduced solely for the TV series and then they drop it after the first episode bit silly also the pen changed so he, when he like I said when he was given the pen by Mr. Bruner slash Chiron uh, it was just like a normal black ballpoint pen but then when he pulls it out when electo's nearby the cap is golden now so it like changed at some point for some reason it's it's a bit silly anywho uh continuing on so yeah clarice's motivations have changed and she takes him into the bathroom tries to get him to admit it goes to give him a swirly to i guess get him to admit it you know classic you, trying to get information waterboard them that works. And of course, it actually is fairly book accurate. The The toilet then kind of explodes, goes around him, absolutely soaks them. And then this is where Annabeth re-enters the story. So she's like, hey. And he's like, "Are you, you're the one that was by my bed. And she's like, yep. And he's like, are you stalking me? She's like, yep. And he's like, why? She's like, to see if something like this happened. And then it goes straight into capture the flag. Basically, she says that because um, she could use him, asks him to be on her team, uses him as a diversion, classic thing. Him being 
just absolutely bored on a clifftop was a pretty fun scene. Then Clarice and co. hunt him down. They have a big fight. And instead of it being at like the creek's edge or the river's edge where it happens in the book, they fight all the way towards the lake edge, like the boat lake. And that's where the fight happens. He's able to beat them. And then afterwards, uh, Annabeth just shoves him into the lake. Then, boom, gets the trident over his head and he is claimed. He literally just makes a very quick pit stop into his new cabin before now he has to start... He needs to go on a quest, so he needs to choose what what's going to happen. But uh, he doesn't want to go on the quest. He doesn't care. But then Grover comes out and says, Hey man, your mom's alive, and it's like the same place where they want you to go, so might as well just do it. And he's like, fine, I'll go on the quest. And then that's pretty much that episode. And I can't remember if it happens in this episode or the next episode, but then he picks who he wants to go on the quest, he picks Grover and Annabeth. Actually, I think that that does happen in the next episode, which is we visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. The episode, this episode opens with him going to get the prophecy from the Oracle. Now, the Oracle is supposed to be like a zombie-looking thing. It's a corpse that's possessed by the spirit of Delphi. He goes up to it, starts to talk to it, is getting nothing, and just as he's leaving, the Oracle wakes up, spews out the green mist, and the person that gives him the thing, like the the quest, is a misty version of his uncle. Now, this is fine. I don't think that's how it happens in the book. I'm, at least I'm pretty sure it's not how it happens in the book. It might be, though. Can't fully remember, because that's a fairly minute detail, technically. Yeah, so he, he gets the quest, but we only hear half the prophecy. We don't hear the rest of it until, like, later in the episode. <laughs> But he goes, he picks out who he wants, he picks out Annabeth immediately, and when asked by Chiron, he's like, hey, you know, it's usually you w at least wait for a few more names to be given before you, you pick. And he said that he chose Annabeth because he needed someone who wouldn't hesitate to push him down a flight of stairs if it meant the success of the quest. So that's why he chose Annabeth. Then he chose Grover, and this is kind of when we are given the rest of the prophecy where it is said that one who calls you friend will betray you and he chooses grover now it's kind of implied that he chooses grover because he's the only one that he expects grover to call him friend so he at least then knows where the the betrayal might come from kind of thing i don't know it's weird when he explains it later on in the series it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense actually i think it's even still later on in the episode, technically. But anywho, they, they set off on their quest, get going. Uh, Percy's, of course, given the sh flying shoes uh, from Luke, and he's just carrying them around like an idiot for a while, where in the in the book, he almost immediately gives them to Grover. He just, like, takes them out. It's like, I'm not going to wear these. Here, you, you take them. <laughs> they, they begin their journey. They get dropped off at the bus depot, Take start taking a bus. Percy's, you know, a little bit disappointed, but it's explained to him that the reason that they can't just fly to L.A. is because, well, Zeus will almost certainly kill you if you dare enter his domain. And Percy's like, well, I guess that makes sense. They continue on. The bus stops at a rest stop. Annabeth goes to get out to get some snacks. And there's an they have an argument about he wants to go with her 
but she says no you need to stay here with the the stinky stinky toilet because the stinky stinky toilet will cover up your stinky stinky demigod smell and he's like yeah but still and she's like nah you stay here so they have a bit of an argument eventually she just goes to get the the drinks and whatnot ends up getting a whole bunch of other stuff besides chips and soda not fully explained why she just starts grabbing a ton of candy but she does then goes out goes to return and but she notices that uh the fury electo is kind of hovering around they're there when she gets back on the bus notices that electo's on the bus puts on her invisibility cap and has a conversation with electo electo is, tries to persuade annabeth to betray her friends or specifically to betray percy so that you know they could continue on on their quest and have all the glory and electo will then have percy to be able to interrogate and whatnot annabeth does not and starts trying to get them off the bus they start going then the other fury that's there ambushes them then annabeth kills that fury they get off the bus start wandering through the woods eventually come across the garden gnome emporium after they have a bit of a conversation about it's revealed that pretty much everyone's hiding something at this point except maybe grover but i mean grover did straight up lie to to get him kicked out of school and whatnot but anywho <laughs> but yeah so they continue on to the garden emporium electo has chased them but medusa interrupts and stops all the fighting invites the kids in for a bite to eat electo is scared of medusa so just kind of hangs around but doesn't doesn't go inside and and uh yeah so then it's percy decides to trust medusa even though straight up is it's revealed that it is medusa straight away she explains that you know it's kind of a big misunderstanding that of course she absolutely loved athena as well but never got any response from athena then poseidon came and was willing to give her attention essentially but athena was not uh taken by that and thus cursed her uh but she was looking like medusa was kind of putting a bit of a positive spin on it like oh you know the gods blessed me with the ability to not be bullied anymore you know she, she was trying to take some pride in the power that she has but yeah annabeth says no nah, it's a curse then percy goes to help medusa with the hamburgers and medusa says you know hey i could get rid of them and you could go along on your quest and whatnot to which percy just kind of disappears takes them to the basement they kill medusa and then they kind of hash out their issues after grover finds his uncle ferdinand a statue and he's very sad because that's as far as his uncle had got only as far as new jersey so they they hash out their issues annabeth comes clean about what electo had offered and when percy asks what did you say she responds i killed her sister then percy comes out and says well medusa said that i should betray you guys that she would kill you all so that i could continue my quest unimpe you know unimpeded and she, uh, annabeth responds and how did you respond and he's like well like cut off her head so you know they, they kind of reforge their or technically they don't even reforge their friendship they forge their friendship percy also at this point explains that you know the missing part of the the prophecy and tells them that that's part of the reason why he chose them was because he didn't see him and annabeth calling each other friends you know he felt safe there and then he kind of, I, I feel like he kind of lies to grover here when he says that he 
you know, while him and Grover do call each other friends, he feels like that Grover, you know, he could trust Grover implicitly. I call bullshit. <laughs> I feel like, you know, after Grover straight up got him kicked out of school, he would be holding a bit of a grudge. And I think that that's part of the thing is that he was just, he wanted someone that he knew he could keep an eye on because he knew that Grover would probably still call him a friend, but he, you know, he could keep an eye on Grover easily. But that's, that's the episode. You know, they, they have new resolve. They take Medusa's head, uh, defeat Electo real quick, and then they ship the head off to Olympus and the end of the episodes. We actually watch the head be delivered. Uh, as we f uh, follow Hermes taking the head to Olympus. Then we move on to episode four, I Plunge to My Death. So the our three intrepid heroes have gotten a train. Percy's been having these visions. I, I haven't really mentioned them because, meh. He has these visions in the book, but not quite like this. So in the book, he, I think he has some visions here and there that might be like him reliving a thing, but it's someone else, like a different voice kind of thing, but it happens a lot more uh, in this one, where, like, in in the book, he would have more, um, whatchamacallit, direct, it, like, it's a direct thing, so he's seeing what's happening. Where, in this, there are a lot more, I guess, ethereal, he's, like, sitting in the middle of a desert, just kind of chilling, and all of a sudden, there's a guy off in the distance with a lantern, speaking creepily that kind of thing but he this episode starts with him having a nightmare he talks to annabeth about it then they kind of get up and go to the food car and while they're off in the food car something happens to their cabin a cop slash train security comes up and is like hey i need to see your tickets looks at the tickets you guys are in this room they go to the room see that's absolutely trashed and he's like hey we didn't do it and there's a woman that's saying that something had happened they're kind of confined to the food car where the woman talks to them and it's eventually revealed that she is Echidna, the mother of all monsters, and she wants to train her her newest baby in hunting and just wanted to to spook the kids so that so that her little baby would have the scent so that it could hunt them. They get off the train at a train yard, I guess, and rush their way into St. Louis, or St. Louis. And Annabeth suggests that they go to the St. Louis Arch, because it is her mother's temple, I guess. So they, they must go there, and and they they should be safe. Because monsters cannot get into the temple, etc. But, mm, because they shipped the head to Mount Olympus, it seems that her mom is a bit angry, and has thus allowed Echidna to... Enter her temple, I guess. I guess it's supposed to be that she's not providing Annabeth any protections and whatnot. They go up. Uh, Percy was also jabbed by by the beastie, the chimera, and they they weren't entirely sure if he he was poisoned or not. But when he collapses suddenly, yeah, they know he's been poisoned. So yeah, he they, there's a mad rush to get him up and into the thing, hopefully for protection. But on their way in, Echidna says something to Annabeth and she eventually does relent and say that it's her mom said that she was impertinent and is thus not going to provide protection that's when that happens so they get to the top Percy does a jerk maneuver to to you know try to keep his friends safe and 
you know, locks them out to face the Chimera himself. He puts up a bit of a fight and ends up getting dropped out of the St. Louis Tower. Not the St. Louis Tower, the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> but he, he gets dropped out and gets caught by the river. Has a bit of a conversation with a sea nymph who, well, we don't see it, but she tells him to go to, to the Santa Monica Beach. Yeah. So they get out, or he gets out, meets back up with uh, Annabeth and Grover. Annabeth has seen the fates. The fate she sees them cut cut some string, which implies that one of them is likely to die on this quest. You know, it, it's a, it's a bad omen. But Percy decides to kind of brush that off, and I think that's the episode. And I can't fully remember if that discussion happens here or in the next episode. But in the next episode, after they've done the St. Louis stuff, they they start hiking because they're now wanted by the cops for damaging the St. Louis Arch and whatnot. So they uh, they start walking. They meet up with Ares. Ares is like, hey, you guys need some help? And they're like, no, we're, we're good. He's like, yeah, but you guys are behind schedule, so come on. They go to a diner where Ares kind of lays out the thing. He's like, hey, your quest is pretty much fruitless, but I'm going to give you guys a chance to, to, to maybe do something. Get my shield for me from this amusement park. And I'll get you guys along on your way. Uh, the, oh yeah, the episode's called A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. But yeah, so he's like, hey, do this for me, and we'll we'll do that. But for collateral, I'm keeping the goat boy. Goat boy stays with me, you guys go get my shield. And they're like, sure. So they go, they're wandering around the amusement park. They see that uh, it's very likely been built by Hephaestus when they go to enter the gate and see that, you know, there's something that's just there to kind of scare you and to... Uh, count how many people came in and so they go exploring they see the the thrill ride of love i think is what it's called where it, it's supposed to be like a tunnel of love situation they go in they see uh that this a story gets displayed upon the wall which is the story of hephaestus and whatnot then they see that the boats are going to potentially get destroyed so they hop out and they also need to get over to the shield, which is like on a little platform off to the side, being held by a statue of Aphrodite, uh, which is behind a golden seat. Percy's able to pick pick up that this golden seat is likely the same one, or at least a similar one, that Hephaestus had given to Hera to trap Hera. And Hera was then forced to give Aphrodite as a bride to Hephaestus. Percy decides to self-sacrifice again by sitting in the chair which releases the shield but annabeth instead of taking the shield and leaving you know stays and tries to find a way to get him released at which point hephaestus kind of comes up and is like hey uh stop that you can't fix it and annabeth goes on a spiel about how you know all the gods are assholes essentially percy is very possible for him to change stuff and Hephaestus pretty much says, yeah, you know, I don't want to be an asshole too. So he frees Percy and then just kind of walks away, saying that he will put in a good word for her uh, with her mom. They come back, drop the shield off to Ares, who has at this point been having a lovely conversation with Grover. Grover has been pretty much saying, hey, you know, I, I'm a big fan of yours, etc., etc. And eventually points out saying, hey, he pretty, pretty much kind of tricks Ares into confessing that Ares knows who did take the lightning bolt. After that, he sets them up on their their chariot, which is a animal truck heading to Vegas. He says, hey, 
go to Vegas, talk to Hermes. Hermes should be able to get you a ride all the way to uh, Los Angeles so that you can get to the underworld. Uh, and that's where that episode ends. Anyway, this episode opens up with another little bit of a dream sequence. But yeah, when he wakes up, Annabeth is trying to kind of get a prism to cast a rainbow so that they can make a call to camp. They call the camp to try to talk to Chiron, but eh, nope, they get Luke instead. They start discussing with Luke kind of what they're doing, but then Annabeth cuts off the call when Percy is about to mention that they're going to Las Vegas to meet Hermes. Because at this point she kind of explains the kind of beef that Luke has with Hermes because she had seen what had happened with uh, his mom and everything. They make it to the Lotus Casino after they free the animals and they go in. Now, there's a whole thing of that they shouldn't eat anything because if you eat the lotus flower, you will forget and whatnot. But as we come to find out, that's not really the case. Annabeth and Percy head off to meet up with Hermes while Grover heads off alone to try to find Hermes. You know, it's a, they don't want to fully split up, especially since Percy doesn't know what Hermes looks like. While Grover and Annabeth do. Uh, Percy and Annabeth are able to find Hermes. While Grover ends up coming across a satyr who he tries to talk to. But the satyr is you know, forgetting. And he's snacking on something which Grover assumes to be the lotus flower. Uh, but when the guy offers Grover some. Grover's like, nah, I, don't want, I can't eat any of the lotus flower. And the satyr's like, these are, these are chips. They're nacho chips. So... He's, then Grover's like, but if that's the case, then why are you forgetting? And then Grover starts also forgetting. So anyway, they come across, Percy and Annabeth come across Hermes. And he's about to say, like, yeah, no, you're not going to get any help from me. When Annabeth and Percy say, we're friends of Luke. He's like, yeah, right, of course you are. So takes them over to another area to talk to them. And is pretty much saying, yeah, it's not, it doesn't matter. I'm not helping you. He He goes into further detail as to... His relationship with his son and whatnot, and the issues there within, and kind of the overall issues with family and whatnot. But he, in the end, he still says no. Uh, Annabeth leaves. Percy then goes after her to see what's up, because Hermes does tell Percy that yeah, it doesn't. It wouldn't have mattered if I helped anyway. And he like looks at his, at his watch and whatnot. And shows Percy that it's like Thursday now. So yeah. It is supposedly now past the summer solstice I think. Basically they they go through. He finds Annabeth. They She picked Hermes Pocket. They go find Grover. Grover's like completely forgotten like what they were doing and who they are. But they take Grover along anyway. And they take Hermes Cab. Have a bit of an issue getting it out of the parking lot. But once they do... They immediately zip straight to uh, Santa Monica Beach. Percy goes to take a dip, hoping to meet his father, but he meets the ocean nymph, the sea nymph instead. She says he waited as long as he could, but the summer solstice has passed. You are now released from your quest. Um, go back to camp, essentially. Percy says, nah, that I'm not going to do that. We're going to go. We're going to go anyway. And then I believe that's where the episode ends. And that episode was called, of course, We Take a Zebra to Vegas. Now, on to episode 7. We find out the truth, sort of. This opens with them going to the 
waterbed store where in the book this is like another one of the traps kind of thing before they go to the the records but they decided to kind of cut out the the record studio and just condense it down to just just this area it follows a fairly similar ish way as the book they trap the guy and then they they leave essentially <laughs> except for i think in the in the book they do like have him killed i think i can't remember they go into the underworld uh, percy had been given four pearls and he gives one to annabeth one to grover and then he keeps two one for him and one from his mom then they go through they see the line and they see kind of, it's the one that has a similar name <laughs> as the centaur they see him bringing more people to the line they cut their way through they go to pay him money to get through and he's like uh eh. and then he blows a dog whistle and cerberus comes out chases them cerberus is like straight up like eats grover annabeth is able to get him bring him down by petting him then uh, grover is able to get out of the mouth of cerberus flies percy up to the top of the wall annabeth i guess rides cerberus up the wall when she throws a ball up uh and then she throws a ball into the river sticks and it starts floating away cerberus goes and gives chase then they work their way uh down and start working their way through the underworld they are then in the fields of asphodel in the book it just has like a bunch of wandering spirits but in this the spirits are rooted by regret be it um by things that they have done or things that they didn't do for some reason uh, annabeth starts to get stuck because they hear cerberus off in the distance so they're like oh we need to we need to go percy and grover start to run off but notice that annabeth's not with them they go back to find that a root has taken to her suggesting that she has some kind of regret she decides to pearl out uh she tells them to leave she pretty much throws some of percy's words back in his face when he self-sacrificed himself yeah she says that she's gonna hold off or distract cerberus for a bit but she doesn't they get like 20 meters away turn around and she pearls out so she's now out of the underworld percy and grover must forge on alone percy and grover do so they do that they're wandering they're confused as to why cerberus uh, stopped hunting them and then all of a sudden grover starts getting pulled off to the side like as if he's walking on his own percy you know gives chase stops him before he gets chucked into a pit the shoes fly off into the pit when percy flops onto his back there's a weird metallic clang he opens his backpack sees oh there's a lightning bolt in here that's not supposed to be there then they realize ah Ares. okay so we have solved the mystery we got the bolt quest done but let's go get your mom they continue on to hades palace hades welcomes them in he's like hey yeah uh just give me what i want and you have your mom and percy's like okay yeah i can't give you the lightning bolt though and hades is like what i don't want the lightning bolt i want my hat give me back my hat or my my helm and percy is like what so you were also looking for a different thing okay that that makes some sense hades does offer percy some sanctuary when percy comes to the realization that it's chronos so he's like ask for sanctuary i'll provide it to you and your mom just give me the bolt because if a war with chronos is coming i need something and that that'll do 
And Percy's like, nah, I'll take you up on your first offer. I'll go get your helm for you. And then they both pearl out. And then it gears up for the final fight. Now, throughout this episode, there was a lot of flashbacks to something that was kind of unlocked in the previous episode. In the previous episode, when they were talking with Hermes, he and they're talking about how family hurt each other and whatnot, Hermes touched Percy and reminded him of the time that he hurt his mom, uh, you know, emotionally. We get, in this episode, we experience that flashback bit by bit. Basically, she was trying to take him to a school well outside of the city, hoping to protect him. This is, I guess, after the... The, the big incident, uh, I guess, quote-unquote big incident, when Percy saw a flying horse. He is refusing to get out of the car. She tells him that, hey, it's not a matter of, you know, doing doing it or not. It's a matter of how hard it's going to be before it's done. So he th- then says, fine. But there's a snag where he's been unenrolled from the school before he even gets there because the previous counselor... From the other school has contacted this school counselor and stated that there's some issues that Percy has that the school might not be able to actually handle. He states this, supposedly his mom's able to talk them into still enrolling him, but Percy is, you know, not happy about it. She tries to take him to a diner to cool his nerves, but he's just very unhappy and he ends up saying something that makes his mom feel absolutely terrible. Basically, that, why do you want to get rid of me so bad, I wouldn't do this to you. She goes off, saying that she's going to go pay, but it's actually to have a bit of a cry at the counter, and she takes a Sunday that's in front of her, lights a match and drops it in, and that summons Poseidon. I'm guessing it, it's supposed to be following the the food sacrifice thing to get the gods' attention, but yeah, it's... <laughs> bit weird but it works he comes and has a bit of a discussion with her she says that she's going to take him to camp and but she doesn't want to because her whole goal is to get him prepared and have him find out who he is before the gods you know poseidon and his family tell percy what they want him to be so that he has a better sense of self and you know whatnot and poseidon's like well then you already know what you have to do it's going to be hard for both of you but in the end it's going to probably be good for him she asks if he wants to talk to Percy, you know, at the very least hear his voice. And he's like, someday. And then it, you know, goes into a thing. And as Percy and Grover have come out of the underworld, are helped up by Annabeth, and then they go to confront Ares, who's also there. And that's where the next and final episode, The Prophecy Comes True, uh, begins. Ares and Percy have a sword fight. Uh, Percy's able to challenge him to single combat with the statement that as long as Percy's able to draw first blood, uh, Percy will then win. Percy is able to. The uh, Ares then says that he's made an enemy. Doesn't go into the full curse from the book, but just says that you've made a lifelong enemy. And then pieces out, leaves the helm there. And it turns out, this entire time, they were at Monotok, where his mom and him were at the beginning of this story <laughs> you know with, or at least where they went to before they went to camp so they go take the helm with leave it confront uh electo turns out this was her mission the entire time percy says hey give this to him i held up my end of the bargain please make sure that he holds up his and then they leave he goes to olympus to deliver the bolt has a meeting with lance riddick's zeus who pretty much says hey you're late there's going to be war regardless 
Poseidon comes in to save Percy after he gets Zeus very mad. And Percy did, does warn him about Kronos and whatnot. Poseidon comes in, surrenders to avoid war. And then they decide to have like a bit of a council meeting. Percy has a nice heart-to-heart with his dad. Where his dad, before answering Percy's question, which Percy asks him, do God's dream? And Poseidon's like, why do you ask? And Percy says, oh, well, Ares says that gods don't dream. And Poseidon is like, well, he's an idiot. We do. And then Percy asks, do you ever dream about mom? And uh, before Poseidon answers, he drops the pearl and says, you need to go. <laughs> Which drops Percy off at camp. He has, you know, a bunch of congratulations and whatnot. He, you know, gets a hug from Annabeth. And Annabeth directs his attention to the fact that Clarice, who at this point they had assumed was working with Ares uh, and Kronos. But they needed evidence... And they needed Percy there to pre- present the evidence to Chiron so that they could do something about her. But Luke and Percy go off to do that. Luke's trying to recruit Percy. When Percy says, like, no, and, like, stops him from, like, opening a portal and whatnot, says, hey, I, I talked to your dad, which throws Luke into a, a rage. They, they sword fight. Percy gets knocked down. Annabeth interrupts saying that she saw everything, and then Luke flees into the portal and is gone. And then the story pretty much wraps up from there, where Percy, Annabeth, and Grover make a promise after Grover got his license and is going to go exploring, and Annabeth's going back uh, to hang out with her dad and his like family. So they make a promise to come back next year. And that's that. Uh, it ends with a... Percy having another dream with Kronos and whatnot and has a small discussion with his mom about it. Then they leave. She's going, she's divorcing Gabe. Gabe's having issues and whatnot. He comes across a package that was sent back to Percy, opens it, gets turned to stone. That's the little end credits thing. And that's that. That's the series. I think overall it's not bad. It's a, I think it's a pretty good series. The biggest issue is, well, for me, the thing that annoyed me the most was the editing. Scenes will, like, build to their crescendo and then will cut to black and then, like, go to a scene that's, like, maybe ten feet to the left. <laughs> the, the, the weird commercial cut to black moments didn't make any sense. It's as if they thought, oh, maybe we'll actually, like, air this on television, even though the episodes are, like not consistent in length so yeah I, I don't know the, the cuts were probably the most egregious thing also starting everyone on like a bit of a negative foot with each other was also a bit weird and then something that luckily wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be was the god interference suppose like in in the book the only thing like the, the only real god interference that we experience is Ares. though you know they do kind of get stuck into Hephaestus's thing but Hephaestus doesn't make an appearance himself that kind of thing but yeah so I was worried when they were showing off all these different gods that were going to show up and you know they were advertised as big parts of the episode I was worried that you know they were going to get a whole lot more god help than than they did in the book but it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was and it does kind of introduce you to the gods a little bit earlier than they were in the other series like the books but overall eh, it's not bad i do recommend it 
just go into it knowing that it's, while it's fairly faithful to the books, it's still its own thing. Kind of relax into it and go with the flow a little bit, and you might come out the other side satisfied. I'm very excited to see how the changes that they've made to some character motivations helps evolve the characters in the future stories. I'm also curious if the second season will be shorter than the first, if it gets a second season, of course. We haven't heard any confirmation on whether or not they're getting any more to begin with. But I think they should at least give it a try. Give Sea of Monsters another shot at being a lot more faithful than the movie was. And then see about maybe actually giving the, the third book a go. That'd be nice. But if they're going to do it, they need to start doing it fast. Overall, I felt that the actors were pretty good. Those Some scenes did feel a little bit stiff at times. I, they did good for what they, what they had to do. It, it gets a little bit awkward when you're explaining weird stuff. So I, I don't blame them for that. But uh, yeah. I, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with the fact that Lance Riddick passed away shortly after this finished filming. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see see how they handle that and what they do uh, in the future. And hopefully they do do something in the future. I'm very curious to see where this goes. But with that said, we did it. We we got to it. We talked to <laughs> we talked about season 1 of Percy Jackson. It came out and yeah, it's done. But with that said, uh, next week is going to be Avatar Season 3, or uh, Fire, Book Fire. Uh, we will, I, I need to start getting, cracking on on watching all that, and I also need to get really cracking on reading the book, uh, Dune, for the week after that. <laughs> With that said, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed this, feel free to give it a like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, or if you are just listening to it as a podcast on any podcast catcher of your choice, feel free to rate and review it. What did you think of the Percy Jackson series, season one? Uh, and what do you hope to see from future seasons, if it gets any? Hopefully it does. But yeah, with that said, thank you guys. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye.